right, we're back. And as promised, I have brought together some luminaries of the Talking Mets universe from Twitter, from the podcast universe. I'll introduce them. I'll have them all introduce themselves. We got Brian, Jeff, Frank, and Greg. You either know them from Twitter or from their podcast. And we're going to get into a whole bunch of topics here. Week, first week of the Mets offseason, even though the baseball playoffs have come. A lot to talk about. Billy and uh, Buck Showalter's press conference, the randomness of the playoffs how the Mets 2022 team is viewed and maybe some of the things they want to see as we start to prep for the off season. So first I'll start with Brian, Brian, you have a great new podcast. Why don't you introduce yourself to the audience, give them everything they want to know about you. Sure. Sure. Thanks Mike for having me on. Appreciate it. This should be a uh, fun opportunity for all of us. Um, I am the host of, of the I test podcast. My name is Brian Donovan and uh, on that podcast, I talk Mets, Jets and bets. So if you're, you're interested in those three <laughs> things, then, then I'm your guy. I keep falling out of the running on my weekly football pool. I was about to win a couple hundred bucks last week and the Monday night game screwed me up. So if you could figure out what's going on on Thursday night and Monday night, I'd love to know because I can't, and I'm really not a huge football fan, but I could think I could figure out that, you know, when you see it's three, nothing at halftime, that's not football. Like we want to, you know, if if I've learned anything from this season so far, just bet the opposite of what you think is going to happen on Thursday night. it's, It's been a disaster. There you go. It may be fall, but barbecuing is still a thing. And Jeff Cohn could talk about that. Mm -hmm. Jeff, welcome back. I know you were on our first panel. Uh, You have a great show, Baseball and Barbecue. You've had some former Mets on there. And if you've got any barbecuing tips for the football fan that's going to be grilling while they listen to this show, please uh, hack away at that. Oh, thank you very much, Mike. It's a pleasure to be back. Yeah, uh, my podcast is called Baseball and Barbecue. I co-host with my my friend Len Aberman, and yeah, we've had a lot of great uh, guests on the show. A lot of Mets, but not not exclusively Mets. Uh, recently, we had on Cleon Jones, who, who has a great book great. out, and he yep. was a, a fantastic great interview. Guest. Yeah, great guest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we uh, talk baseball, we talk barbecue, and it's fall, and still you can still barbecue, barbecue mm-hmm. all year round. That's can, right. Do that's that. Right. So, that's right. Even I, I could see you being Jeff, one of the guys where it's like six feet of snow and you're sitting there like a igloo <laughs> out there barbecuing. Now, Greg is joining us. And I think Greg has a picture of Buck Showalter behind him because I know how much he loves Buck. We always debate about Buck on Twitter. He's not yeah. what I call the pessimistic Mets fan, but he's, you know, he's a great follow on Twitter. So Greg, why don't you introduce yourself? Let the listeners know a little bit about, you know, you and what you do over there. Um, yeah, my name is Greg. Uh, I'm on Twitter. Uh, tweet a lot about mainly the Mets. Um, now we're shifting into football season and hockey season. We'll talk a little bit about that. But my number one love in terms of sports and following professional sports, is, it, it, it's the Mets. I, I mean, I just, I've always leaned towards the Mets probably in my entire adult life. I've leaned towards just being all in on the Mets. Um, and then, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really happy to be here. I, I, I'm really honored to, uh, to be on Mike's podcast, uh, knowing the audience that it has. I appreciate that. Now, one thing I remember about Greg is last season, I think it was the Mets were on the West coast when they went like three and 15 versus, um, the West coast competition. I remember Greg tweeting. My wife knows I'm in a bad mood. Our weekend is ruined because the Mets are slumping. I still remember that, Greg. And I'm like, that's the guy I got to follow, right? Mm-hmm. He's shaking his head, right? You got that? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, a, a few weeks ago, I remember warning my wife. I'm like, in two weeks, the Mets are going to play a really big series in Atlanta. Just be prepared on edge all weekend long. So, um, 
Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm pessimistic on the outside, but on the inside, I'd like always believe. Although we'll get into it. I mean, this season just in the way it ended just took a lot out of me. Yep, I I agree with you on that. And then Frank, you know, uh, follows me on Facebook, Instagram. Not really on Instagram, but uh, big Giants fan, uh, big Mets fan. Uh, so, you know, introduce yourself a little bit. I don't know what uh, what you want to share about your handle or what you do, but good to have you on as well. Oh, Mike, I really appreciate you having me on. I've been listening to your show now uh, for about three years. I, I good just, God. You're yeah, the guy. I, <laughs> that's <laughs> me. That's me. I'm guilty. Uh, I distinctly remember, and, and it seems like ages ago that, you know, you were discussing, you know, should Mickey Calloway stay? Huh, and yes. that feels like uh, that feels like 20 yes. managers ago and like 10 GMs ago. It's just it's it's crazy um what's happened and and jeff let me echo your love for barbecue because i find myself when i am home on sundays barbecuing my wings for football so oh, yeah. you know <laughs> thumbs up to you for what you do and uh, let me let me join in on that sentiment um, and if i'm not mistaken without giving away frank you're a pilot right is that correct i am i am so you're I the will... guy that lands me safely when i'm when i've always wondered you know, here I am. I hate flying. It makes me sick. I hate the checking in of the bags, everything about the experience. And it's no offense to you just stinks. I mean, and that's just the nature of the beast. I'm kind of a control freak giving up like my, my wallet to go through the scanner. I'm like, I'm stressed the whole time. Like, give me back my wallet. Give me back my wallet. But all I could imagine is here you are trying to land in LaGuardia or wherever you are. How do you guys do? I mean, it's a lot. It's kind of like an Edwin Diaz basis loaded, no out scenario, right? Is that what I would say? You know, it, it's something that's gotten to a point where I just don't even think about it. Like you just do it, you know? I mean, uh, there's some days, I mean, there was a day going into LaGuardia not too long ago where the weather was crap and, uh, you know, it was, it was fun, but, uh, you know, you just do it. And, uh, after a while it just becomes, uh, second nature and people even like yeah. tilt their head back like really like i would be freaked out at that but uh here i yeah. am parallel parking not thinking <laughs> about it you're landing planes with lives on it uh while you're worried about edwin diaz getting a big save uh credit to you on that frank i get that but i'm glad everybody's joining us this should be fun so we'll just do a couple let me start off and greg i'm going to start with you because uh you had a lot of strong feelings on that you know um where i start off is what's interesting is i i i think you, you talk about the enjoyment of the team. And the reason I bring you up is a lot of fans are like you. Their weekends are ruined about it. It's, it could be unhealthy at times, but it's a part of, of who you are. And part of my issue with the coverage of the team is I think that Mets fans, because of their passion, because of the disappointment, I think it's an easy revenue stream in the modern media to go after that and attack that. And look, there are times where it's legit. There are times it's not. But the theme I'm seeing off the bat is how can you trust the Mets? Now, here we are on this Sunday morning. The Guardians are about to eliminate the Yankees, potentially. The Braves are out. The Dodgers are out. The five and six seeds, who are 85-86 win teams, one was built midseason. The other had a managerial change and probably resembles the 2019 Mets a lot, if you think about it. Mm -hmm. They're going to potentially be in the World Series. The Mets are home. Um, And we hear things about the trust. How can the fans trust this organization? So you are, like you said, a pessimist by nature. How do you feel now? You feel not better, but are you more uh, balanced in your view of the 2022 Mets? And going forward, do you feel better that, hey, I can invest in this thing? Because guess what? Look at what the Phillies and the Padres did. I think in terms of of the franchise right now, has less to do with the 2022 Mets and more to do with 
what's happened with the franchise. I mean, I'm 42 years old. I don't remember the 86 Mets. The first memories I have are probably the 88 Mets and the 88 playoffs against the Dodgers. So throughout that time, since then, you, you've dealt with the 98 Mets who had win one game down in Atlanta. Weekend season swept. 89 was exciting season. 2000 losing to the Yankees was just devastating. And then you get into the 06. They were the moment they were going to roll for the playoffs with the World Series, especially once the Yankees got knocked out that year. Came off that season, yeah, it, was, it sunk that they lost to the Cardinals. But then you had a positive view. All right, all right, this is a young team. They'll be back next year. Then 07 and 08 has into 09. Then it was a long time before 15 hit and 16. And going into the season, you were as if they were heading in the right direction. Come August, once they won four to five for the Braves, I said to myself, this is the year. Yeah. If, if they're going to win any year with two Hall of Fame pitchers, with Edwin Diaz being, you know, as dominant relievers baseball seen in the last 20 years, I thought they were going to win it all this year. And to not only lose the division, but once they lost the division, just the state of DeGrom and Scherzer, I didn't have a good feeling going into the postseason. And less to do with not winning the division and more to do with the state of those two pitchers. And we saw that in the San Diego series. It has less to do with, my, at least my view, of the 2022 Mets and more to do with what's happened over the last 35 years. And it's not anything personal with what Lindor said after the season or with what any player, you know, what Epler said, what Buck said after the season. It has more to do with what's happened with this franchise. If the Mets can't win it all this year, when is it going to happen? That's, and that's, I think, a sentiment that a lot of fans share. Now, Brian, I heard you shake, saw you shaking your head. Yeah. Um, Give your take on that. Because you guys are, you know, I'm 45. Brian, you look like a little, a little younger than me. Jeff and Frank are more in my camp. Greg is kind of like oh, in the middle. So let's get <laughs> let's get the uh, the younger guy. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're yeah, older sure. than me. Me and Jeff should... actually look like we're in the same camp. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, sure. guys, I got some nose hair sticking out. So I'm in your camp, too. <laughs> so, Brian, what? Yeah, so you're shaking your head. I mean, yeah. that is a loaded question. What basically Greg is saying is, unless they win it all or until they win it all, this Paul, and I call it the yoke that's around this team's neck, which I, I don't think it's like the, the Red Sox quite yet. Talk to me in 40 years. If I'm still doing this in 40 yeah. years, guys, I'll be, I'll be 90. You know, like, I don't know if I could sit on this thing at 90 years old, but you know, the Rangers, 1940, mm-hmm. things like that. Sure. Maybe it's more ap- appropriate there. Uh, I'm not a big hockey fan, but I do remember 1994. I do remember the, the, the Rangers, what are your thoughts? How do you how do you uh, piggyback on what Greg said? Sure, sure. So, you know, the, the way I look at this season in particular, because it is very unique in the grand scheme of things, just being with the uh, first official Steve Cohen season. That's how I look at it. Sure. Um, and, you know, like for as um, amazing and, and really special feeling, because when the Mets have a special feeling, special season, you have that that magical touch to it. You know, that's what everyone says about 86. And you felt that in 15 as well. It, it felt like it was equally disappointing of a finish, which is a really, really tough pill to swallow. Um, you know, it, when you when you take a step back in a vacuum, it's a great step in the right direction. 101 season is, is a great mark for this team. It, it's, a, it's a great um, milestone to hit. And, and clearly there's going to be more positive things happening under this regime. But there was at no point between the moment Arenado threw the ball away 
in the ninth inning on the, the can of ground ball that led to the, the comeback against the Cardinals up until last Sunday night that I didn't think they were going to win the World Series. It, ju- it just felt like that the entire time. And the issue I'm having is I, I feel like I can't trust my instincts anymore because this just came yeah. crashing down and they got all these massive you know career years out of Diaz. Alonzo had his best season. Uh, Nimmo had a great year. Marte, all-star, McNeil batting title. And for that to not result in even, you know, an NLCS run is 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 really um, tough for me to wrap my head around, basically. And, and you you sound like Casey Stern. Casey Stern was on the show. He said NLCS. And look, the season's a disappointment. I think, to your point, I would say that it's a success in the sense where the, the team is moving forward on the Cohen ownership into a new era. And Jeff, I'd be curious because, you know, you and Frank might ha- obviously have a little bit more Mets experience of disappointment than I. I'm kind of like with Greg. I started watching the team in 87, late 86. And you're, you're, I'm, I was um, 11 years old, 10 years old. Your baseball development of understanding is so much different. I mean, I think about how I looked at the sport when I was 11, 12, 13, 14. Then I see kids that age and how they look at the sport. And it's like, I feel like I was a naive, you know, babe in the woods at that point. But the Mets' entire existence has been big moment, come down after that. Big moment, come down. Mm -hmm. And part of that was the lack of, oh, the bad decisions of the 70s, post-69. The off the field or potentially some decisions made by Frank Cash with the 80s Mets. And then for the most part on the Wilpon ownership, it's been about investment in cash flow. The investment in cash flow, which is critical to going forward, it sounds like it's not going to be a big issue. Now, I took away from Billy Epler on Friday that they're going to spend to bridge the gap, but he's got an edict. Get us some cost-controlled, useful – I mean, give me some bullpen pieces like the Yankees and the Dodgers. Let's start there. There's no reason to have to go spend seven, eight, nine million million mm-hmm. on everybody out of the bullpen, which is what they may have to do to bridge the gap. So knowing that, and I heard Lindor say, yeah, you guys have heard it before the post, you know, game quote. I feel like there's a different way to view this team versus after 69, after 86, after Bobby V, Omar Manaya collapsed because of those components. So Jeff, you've been around a long time. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Being a Mets fan is a constant disappointment. Yeah. A lot of highs, you know, some highs, a lot of lows, that's what happened. But with the Cohen ownership now, it's going to be sustained sustainability. He's going to be, we're going to be able, the Mets are going to be able to compete year in and year out. That I think is the total goal. I know the goal is to win the world series. Uh, that's the goal for every team. And like Buck said, be the last team standing, but I, like we just seen, you know, the goal really is just getting the playoffs because anything yeah. can happen. I mean, who knew that this, this Mets team with 101 wins, they're out. The Braves 110 team wins out. The Dodgers nine, uh, 111 out. Cardinals 97 out. I mean, the two, you know, barely over 500 teams are now in the championship game, which is un- unbelievable. I would say this next season is kind of like a, a an airliner taking off. You're doing great. You're on, you're in the uh, flying high. You're you're, just, you're you're coasting, and then the September comes, and you have the slow descent. And we saw, you know, I saw it coming with losing to the Bray, uh, the the Nationals, losing to the Cubs, losing yeah. to the Marlins, and then you go, oh my God, this is not going to end well. And then we just saw them just completely. 
I don't know, maybe was getting tired or, or just, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's a collapse, but they were just, they didn't have any, any offense going. Think, but think about how a Mets fan views that, Jeff, and think about the Cardinals team that beat the, the Mets in 06. That's an 83 win team, I believe. Yeah. 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 Uh, did not mm-hmm. play well down the stretch. And, you know, that's kind of where the, the thought process, I think, in St. Louis, and, and look, it is what it is. It's New York, is, all right, new season. Let's root for our cards. Let's move forward. Here, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit different. And, and, Frank, I saw you on social media say how disgusted you are with Mets fans, the negativity. Greg gave you kind of a good idea of why you have so many fans that feel that way, especially mm-hmm. fans that started watching the team post-86 or worse yet, yeah. watched it very young with in the midst of collapse of 07. Yep. Um, so to me, I feel like this is different in the sense where the Mets are experiencing something that other franchises have, like the Yankees had Oh four. They just, all right. I know 27 world series. They bounce back. Yeah. You know, the Cardinals have, after they win the world series, they have a bad season. They're back in three years. Yeah. You know, the Mets, because of their history, this up and down, I think it's right to feel like, well, this was our chance, but in reality, if you, follow the the principles that billy epler laid out and i know he you know fans are gonna hate it. it's a probabilistic world i'm listening to that i'm like yeah. that's gonna get old i hate <laughs> to tell billy that's you ain't gonna get away with that <laughs> another deadline let me tell you even though that's how teams view things so what are, what are your thoughts on all that yeah i mean i've had a chance to get some perspective and understanding on that and i can see you know, where the Met fan is coming from, where, you know, and all you guys have talked about it, you've had these very few highs and very many lows. And you could tell that Lindor gets it by his comments, you know, when he talks about the Met fan has heard that before. And, you know, I don't know how specific we want to get, but you can look at every year. You want to look at 88, you want to look at the 99, 2000s, 2006. There's actually a lot of similarities between the 06 team uh, and this team that we Definitely can get correct. into later, um, correct. but it, it just, you know, the bottom just, and it, and not, not only does it drop it, it drops out hard. I mean, you know, Jeff brought up the whole airline thing. That's like a hard landing, you know, mm-hmm. yep. and then you're taxiing in and you don't have a game. I've had, a, I've had a few hours. of those, Frank. <laughs> I've had a few of those. They're not fun, especially when you go up and down like this. You know? Yeah. And, and, and I cannot deny making a few of those hard landings, in, including on my first leg uh, for the company. <laughs> so, uh, you know, let me embarrass myself there, but uh, yeah, it is, it, it, it you know, there's a lot of, I think, post-traumatic stress syndrome with the Mets Correct. brand. And I think that's what you guys were getting at. You just see it, you know, you get to, you get so close and it's like, nope, sorry. And it's like, you know, Lucy taking away the football and you just don't get another chance for another 10 years. So yeah. um, I think it's going to take a while. I think it's going to take, you know, bringing up those players and, you know, building a more sustainable a franchise that does get back to the postseason and it'll change the conversation uh, amongst Met fans for years to come. And Greg, because of your way you were uh, explained how you feel, I think back to like Frank said, 07, even though the team had a great season in 06, it was Gary Cohen's called it the summer love. They got off to a great start in 07. I always felt there was this malaise. They weren't really selling out Saturday games. Mm. Uh, the fans weren't into it. Um, my fear is, is that things are different. We feel like, you know, we'll see what happens in the off season, but it's very likely an off season where they're going to bring back most of best case scenario is they bring back their big free agents. They augment the roster and they go back to spring training and saddle up again. And I don't know how that's going to be viewed. 
do you see a similarity where there'll be this malaise and a fan apathy at city field starting in April, because I'm looking at the same thing and you know, the same thing's going to happen and they're going to almost, it's almost like the chicken and the egg. They're going to wait for excitement, but that apathy creates to lack of excitement. So what are your thoughts on that? Cause that's my fear that we're going to see a repeat of that. Uh, I actually think to be honest, I would be shocked if that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, just looking at the roster, what they can do, what they can't do. Um, I'm not expecting any big additions to the offseason. I am expecting them to add, but I definitely don't think they're going to win 100 long games again. I mean, winning 100 games is really, really Really hard. A lot has to go right. Really, really hard. I don't see that happening, and that's not going to be a reflection on anything that Epler is going to do this offseason or anything that Fox is going to do. It's just really hard to win 100 games. So I definitely could see the definitely see that happening where there's going to be that malaise and that's kind of my personal view looking at next season is and just the way the playoffs have gone this year I'm not going to be able to get like truly believe in the team until we get to next October Mm. and I actually expect the Mets to be back in there next October probably not winning the division probably another wild card but that trust until they get to the playoffs and what they do from there, there's probably going to be that, at least on my end, and I kind of get that sense from the fan base where it's kind of going to be like 07, where they're just waiting to get, see. all right, let's see what happens when they get back to October. You know, last year they ran through the division. They were dominant. Um, the goal is to, you know, get back there and, and get to the World Series and win the World Series. There's going to be a lot of that this year, next year. I see from the uh, the fan base and just from from the team in general. It's why I mean I think for the fan base to get really really excited, um, fair or unfair, I think Epler's going to go out have to go out and make a major major move like an Otani if he's available. Because outside of that, I'm not sure if there's going to be that excitement. I think there's just going to be a lot of really cautious, you know, wait to see how things go, how the season finishes in September into October next year. Mets fans, I want to take a quick break from talking baseball and let you know about the next top prospect in building a smart home. Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is that big time new star prospect. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is a smart lock, a 2K resolution camera, and a doorbell. It's three devices in one, triple the security. You know triples are rare in baseball, but not with Eufy. You can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but also for convenience. Just the other night, I had tons of packages in the rain. Rather than fumble for my keys, I easily entered my home. This is big since I have four dogs who are impatiently waiting for me at the door. No more concerns about losing keys, and you could assign passwords to your family members. Worried about when your loved ones are getting home? Eufy allows you to see them coming back home via the integrated camera. Hey, Mets fans, this is a home run. I had a competitive product before Eufy, and it's the difference between a one-dimensional hitter and a five-tool player. Eufy is that five-tool superstar. Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com to learn more. Already sold? Go to Amazon and get your Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Want to go to the store? Best Buy will have it starting around May 20th. Get complete control over your front door at ease with the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And that's a good point. I always talk about the dangers of winning the offseason. Greg makes a good point. And under the Wilpon ownership, that would be what they would market on, winning the offseason. Mm-hmm. Winning the offseason may put them in a bad spot. So, Brian, there's a couple of ways. Yeah. And here's what I've heard from fans on Twitter where they like to see the team go. I've heard uh, people say, uh, you know, and I'm in the camp. you got a three-year window here with Buck and Billy mm-hmm. to win and build up the farm system. And I believe that's the edict. Cohen's like, I'll bridge you. You come to me with a plan and what it's going to cost. And I have a pretty good idea that I'll support you. But at some point I need the landing strip. There goes that landing strip again. <laughs> when I could expect what I see out of the Yankees bullpen, out of the Gonzalins, yeah. uh, you know, it's patently absurd that this team going into next year has no ability to put a fourth or fifth starter outside of McGill and Peterson because mm-hmm. nobody's ready. That's got to change. And Billy Epler talked about that. So you got guys like me that say, there's enough ways with Cohen's money to reasonably bridge it and compete while they figure that part out. Then you have compete, but go in a different direction. Brian, I have people say, go away from Nimmo, go away from DeGrom, go away from Bassett, maybe go away from Diaz, reallocate that money and see what you can do. That would be maybe changing the the cards a little bit. Maybe that'll excite some people. And then I heard the raise and rebuild people. They're all every off season is the raise and rebuild. The raise and rebuild people. It's like they, they, they build a shed. It's not perfect. And they, chop it down it's like all right guys you know there's a lot of work to do that you're looking at five years no he got the no on that that's right so brian where would you go what would you as if you were the gm where did or as a fan how what would get you excited what what do you want to see so that that malaise that greg talked about doesn't exist exactly and i think outside of a major free agent you know judge otani type of move which i am absolutely not banking on that happening by any means i think Um, judge would be a contract that you would regret very very not only that unless there's some really deep-seated animosity toward the yankees organization the cashman can't sell that to the fans losing judge it's just it's it's not gonna happen um but i think what what can change that malaise to greg's point is outside of a, a major move is if Beatty and alvarez turn into studs because this team needs a bit of a breath of fresh air, a little bit of a a youth movement. They got a little bit stale down the stretch. They got a little bit tired and, and frankly kind of boring there in September. So I think if they can, you know, inject some, some, you know, spark into this team with, with Beatty and Alvarez, I think it would go a really long way as far as some of the, um, you know, free agents currently, you know, from the 2022 roster, um, I think there's a world where they look at Nimmo's on-base percentage numbers and walk numbers and look at his 16 home runs and 800 OPS and think that there might be a better direction at center field. Now, let me preface this with, at the same time, I'm a very emotional fan and I love anyone who's ever worn a Mets uniform. So I'm, I am not the best couch GM by any means if, if we're up to me. Nimmo and Conforto and Darno would still be Mets for life. Um, so, you know, I think 
there, there's going to be a lot of really tough decisions. I think Bassett's numbers are going to be tough to replace, but you look at some of his, you know, his biggest outings down the stretch and some of the comments he made, you know, that do you, do you sink a, a decent sized contract into that? Um, DeGrom was pretty much the only member of the entire roster that I got the sense was maybe not fought into this team as, as much as a lot of other guys were. And, you know, if, if he's looking at historic numbers and you look at his injury history and, you know, what, you know, he kind of looked like down the stretch at, at times, um, how, how do you justify that? So, you know, there's, there's a lot of mystery going into this, into this season. And I think no matter what happens, um, you know, they'll, they'll need to find that the Tyler Anderson's and the Tony Gonsolin's of the world. I, I actually wrote that down as a note. I think that's going to be huge for the, the back end of the rotation, but you know, I, I, I really think that the major, major factors going into the 2023 season is, is Beatty and Alvarez. I, and, I think, and, and that's yeah. interesting. Cause Jeff, I'll, I'll bring you in on this. I think the problem a lot of time with a lot of times the fans are prospects, it's like, it's all or nothing. Either they're going to be David Wright and Jose Reyes or they're nothing. And not every prospect starts out. Will Smith of the Dodgers, good prospect has developed into a really good prospect. And I think it is a world where, and this is the danger. And this is the danger of our media market where Beatty comes and plays fairly every day, but gives Escobar some breathing room. Maybe there's a bit of a platoon. Maybe it's something else. And then Vientos and or Alvarez, depending on what they do with the catching situation, become Darren Ruff and they supplement Vogelback. And that is very, I think that's very real. Because if you listen to Billy Epler, they have some runway to spend, but they're probably going to spend it in top of the rotation pitching, DeGrom, Diaz. They have to figure out Bassett. Third starters cost $15 million a year. And if they're going to build a team on top of the rotation pitching, Epler basically said he believes in the offense and the approach. Um, They'll wait a little bit to figure out the bullpen and all that stuff. Those three guys are important. And I think it's not just about them playing every day. They may get shuttled a little bit. Maybe they start up in in Syracuse. But it's okay if Vientos is Darren Ruff versus left-handed pitching. It's okay if Alvarez figures out the game a little bit and is not Mike Piazza day one. It's okay that Brett Beatty doesn't play every day. You know, like if Brett Beatty's Alec Baum, is that bad? You know, and I think that's the part where everybody's going to want them to be right. Reyes Piazza. And that doesn't oh. always happen. Oh, no, absolutely not. And people love their prospects. I mean, if they see the Braves with, with Michael Harris comes up, you know, superstar. They see uh, Strider coming up. He's leading leading strikeouts or whatever. They love their prospects. And we don't know what Beatty, <clears throat> Alvarez, Vientos is going to be like, but I do think that they're going to be on the team because I think the t- Mets need to get a little younger. You're right. They're going to spend at the top of the rotation. Third starter is, it, it, it might be Bassett. You know, he has a mutual option at $19 million. So even if he goes on free agent, Mets can just give him a qualifying offer and he's still going to get $19 million. So he's going to be, I think, I think he'll be back. I'm not sure if he's going to get much more than that, but I want to see what Alvarez does. I don't know. Is he going to be the, Superstar that they project him to be? Who knows? Look, you know, we've you've talked about Kellenick. I mean, the guy, it, but, but 140 in, 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 yeah. in the playoffs. He was striking every time he, he was up. I mean, is he that uh, that superstar that everybody thought he was going to turn into? No, we don't know. Well, he might, he still might, but right. he's been around five, what, four or five years now we heard about this? 
We haven't seen yeah. anything. The yeah. Yankees are waiting. Uh, I have Yankee friends who are Yankee fans. They, they can't wait for this guy, Anthony Volpe, to come up. I go, you don't know what he's going to be like. Yeah. You know, they, they just they think they're going to be superstars, and they're really not. So right. hopefully, I think I, I think you just hit on a point, and Frank. I, I actually said this on Twitter last night. They're already comparing uh, Oswaldo uh, 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 Cabrera, Cabrera to Ben Zobris. How about Brett Beatty's Brett Beatty? Alvarez yep. is Alvarez. Yep. Like we don't have to. Oh, I, yes, there are <laughs> comps and everything. And look, Alvarez when he hit that home run against the Nats, does it remind me of Piazza? Of course. I, yeah. I, I, that you can't not with that kind of power. I also think it's myopic to think that these are not human beings and throwing Alvarez in or throwing these guys into a team that's expected to win. Uh, you know, Beatty was applauded for his home run against the Braves. He had an OPS on the 600. You yeah. fans were going to get, if he didn't get hurt, fans were going to tired of him pretty quick. Yep. You know? Yep. Um, so Frank, what, what would you do? Like, you know, your no, you put the little no, it's like, it's like, uh, what was that? The Hollywood squares. You put the little thing up over there. <laughs> now I'm dating myself. He put the sign up. No. Like Hollywood Squares, uh, how would you approach the offseason? Uh, and, and I think it's important for all of us. What we want and what's reality is a big gap. Listen to what Billy Epler said. He gave you everything you needed to hear. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not an opportunistic uh, way of going about things. He told you how they were going to build this team or the desire. Now, the Grom leaves and Nimmo leaves, maybe the changes. So within that scope, I think it's important, or maybe not, maybe if you want to get wild, how would you build, how would you go back into 2023? How would you uh, tweak or rebuild this team? Yeah, I mean, he told you that he wants to build this team from within, like they don't want to rely on the free agent market. I mean, it's important, it's an important component of, uh, of building the team moving forward, but, you know, they do want to rely on the prospects. They do want to, you know, and this is why they didn't make all the trades at the deadline. You know, they kept Vientos, they kept Beatty, they kept Alvarez because likely these guys might be on the team next year. I mean, mm-hmm. to your point, we might not have a Nimmo. So that might move McNeil to the outfield, you know, and then who do you bring in, you know, who do you bring in to play second base? Do you sign a Trey Turner, you know, or do you sign him and put him in the outfield, keep McNeil? I mean, you know, I don't know how specific we want to get, but, right. you know, and also the bullpen, I mean, your entire bullpen, the core of your bullpen are free agents. So, I mean, there are arms, you know, you have your Lopez's, you know, you have your, um, your Negosics and your Smith's and your Joely Rodriguez is, but, do you want to rely on that? So there are a lot of issues that the Mets have to handle. I mean, a lot of money could be spent on the pitching, which might not leave a lot for the offense. So you might not be able to give Nimmo, you know, 125 over five years, assuming that's what he wants. You might not be able to give Trey Turner, you know, what, what do we think he's getting? Seven, 140, you know, somewhere more, around yeah, there. Probably more. I mean, he's a $35 million dollar a year player. I mean, you know, so and, and thirty-five million dollars is what elite players get, and yeah. the more you put thirty-something million dollar guys on the payroll, remember right. you have Turner and Lindor on the payroll. You got seventy million dollars, seventy of three hundred, seven, fourteen, twenty-one, twenty-eight. You got almost twenty percent of the payroll on two guys. I mean, it's you have to have young players yeah. complement at this point. And if you, I mean, you you start bringing back to Grom, okay? Let's say we do bring back to Grom. He probably wants forty million dollars, okay? Sure. I mean, if the Mets, if you're telling me the Mets are going to have a $325 million payroll, woohoo, let's go, let's party, you know, let's bring everybody in. It may require that. It It may require require that. To to Greg's point, it may require that. You may win 95 games. And 
And that's okay. I mean, think there was a bunch of games the Mets shouldn't have won that they won. There was a lot of teams tanking. You know, mm-hmm. let's remember, you know, 100 wins is, is a little bit different when you have, I mean, the Pirates, let's face it, the Pirates, Mets didn't play well when they played the Pirates and they won five and six, yeah. you know, at that whole thing. So, fair point. Now, as we round this out, and the, the panel, the time goes by quick, man. I, you know, it's amazing. I want to hear some big ideas from all of you. Like, what, what is something that maybe you got marinating in your head that you'd love to see happen this offseason? Could be on the field, off the field, whatever. I'll start with Greg. Do you have any big ideas? Is there anything that, you know, you really would like to see? Forget about payroll and common sense and what Billy said. You know, what, what's, throw me a big idea out there that may get, so, you know, spark some interesting conversation. I mean, to me, the biggest thing that they can do, this is something, Mike, that you talked is the not selling out that last wild card game. I think we all have to remember, like, in, in the big picture for the casual fan, this is an entertainment business. Watching baseball games is entertainment. And how do you get people to the ballpark? How do you get people to tune into SNY? From a business and on the field standpoint, I would think that if there were a chance, that could, they could add Otani, that adding Otani would put people in the seats, get the casual fan out to the ballpark to go out and see this, you know, amazing, you know, talent that, you know, baseball hasn't seen in 100 years since Babe Ruth. Um, so if there is the opportunity for them to do that, I, I think they should just go all in and get it no matter what the cost. I mean, a lot of us have been Met fans for, you know, a long time. We've seen, you know, you know, heard about Generation K, Alex Ochoa, you know, all of those prospects over young players over the years that, you know, either completely flopped or they became nice players, but not high impact players. So to me, if there is the opportunity to go out and get Otani, I think from a franchise standpoint, uh, from the business standpoint of, you know, marketing, expanding the Mets brand, I really think that that would be just, I think that would be something that could energize the fan base. I don't know how realistic it is, um, especially when you hear about, um, you know, the Angels owner and just having this grudge against Steve Cohen, you know, how true that is. I'm not sure if it's going to happen, but to me, if they were to do that, it would, I think, maybe help with some of that malaise. Uh, and that is, and it's funny because that was a topic that I was going to take in the next couple of weeks. We'll start to dive into a little bit. Now, Brian, I want to hear your big idea, but let me throw this to you. What Greg just said is a very interesting thing. That might require Beatty and Alvarez going. That will require goodbye to DeGrom. And that will require you bringing in two guys for the price of one. And by the way, if I'm Otani's agent, I'm like, a pitcher of Otani's ilk is $35 million a year. A hitter of Otani's ilk is... 30 to 30. Same. That's a $65 million a year proposition, which I don't know if he'll get, but it possible, probably 50, let's say. So you're going all in on a guy that had injuries. Um, you know, I think he's a good pitcher, but he's had some times where you've seen him be really bad. We haven't seen him in a big spot. You're going to have to say goodbye to the cost controlled component of your team to bring in Otani and also say goodbye to a guy that's meant a lot to the organization in the Grom, huge risk. So talk about that and give me your big idea, if you, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, when it comes to Otani, um, my, my gut 
tells me no. And, and it feels so silly to say it, it really does because he is so special. And for so many obvious reasons, you'll never have a chance to get anyone like him ever again. And if it happened, believe me, I'm not complaining. It, you know, it, it's kind of how I feel about it is I'll cross that bridge when it comes because it's, it, there's, there's so many uh, feelings and, and emotions and thoughts that go into it. So if it happens, I'm going to be super excited about it. If it doesn't, there, there's a little bit of a sense of relief that, that you'll probably hear from me. Um, so a couple, a couple ideas, um, starting small, I think, uh, if, if Beatty and Alvarez and, and some, some younger components of this team can play well enough so that Escobar and Canna can turn into the 2021 version of Pilar and VR, where they're starting one to two games a week. And if there's an injury, they're regulars. I think the Mets are in great shape. I think that that would say a lot about the maturity of the team. Um, it's a small thing, but I think it would be huge for them. Secondly, I love Trey Turner. How can you not? I mean, and, and Mike, you brought up a point on Twitter or, or actually someone brought it up to you and I hate to not give this person credit, but it was a good point without the shift next year to have a middle infield that has a range of Lindor and Turner. I mean, that's, that's a huge advantage. So aside from what he brings from, you know, the, the top of the lineup aspect, um, yeah, you, you just, it, it would be incredible for the defense as well. Um, he's kind of the guy that I, I think blank check when I think of this, this off season more than anyone else. And then thirdly, um, I I've been like desperate for a, a, uh, all-star lefty in this rotation. It feels like it's, it's, I can't even remember the last one that they've had. And Carlos Rodon comes to, comes to mind. So if they do lose out to, you know, if they lose out on DeGrom or whatever happens this offseason and they've got some money to blow, I, I think he's the guy that they're, they they got to target. And it's not as top of the radar as the judges and Turners and Otanis of the world, um, but he's extremely effective. And, you know, it, it, it really um, provides a certain edge in any given series to have a lefty of his ilk. Where where you can't just stack a you know a, a, a lineup against righties for three or four straight games, let those guys get comfortable because the Mets don't have any lefties in the rotation other than Peterson, who you know is is not Carlos Rodon by any means, not even close. Jeff, while you're barbecuing, you're doing some strip steak. What is your big off season, Jeff Cohen, GM of the Mets idea? I don't know if it's a big idea. But it might be a smart idea. I mean, look what the Braves did with, with uh, Strider and, and Harris, locked them up. How about locking up Alonzo? How about locking up McNeil? So you don't have to go through this in, in two years. I know they're a, a, a free agent what, after a, in, in two more years. So wh- why go through that? I, I echo what Greg and, and Brian and yourself with, with Otani. It's just, I know, very expensive, gutting the farm system, but there's a relationship with Epler and, and Otani. That is just, it's just. And the marketing game. possibilities, you know, the international component oh, sure. of New York. I mean, it makes so much sense. It does, but I think fans and media are not going to realize you are going to have to rip the fabric of this team oh, yeah. completely apart mm-hmm. for a two-way player that now will be expected. And I think the one thing a player told me a long time ago, and I always will remember it, when they walk in that locker room after they've got signed that contract, their world changes. Part of what I think is going on with James McCann is look at how different it is now that he's paid. Right. You've got expectations. <laughs> you don't think sure. that has a... Look, I get it. You get paid whether you compete and win or not. But if you think these guys want to show up and hear people say he's making $12 million a year and I'm better than him and I'm making a half a million. Yeah. Human beings are human beings. We're all in work environments. Everybody likes to say I deserve more than the next guy. 
It of changes, course. and Otani's world will change. And let me tell you something. He comes in and gets that big, you know, they make those changes, and he starts out, let's see, month one, he's got an 0-3 record. He's hitting oh. 220. Could you see what's going to happen to him oh, at that point? Look, Lindor hasn't, Lindor hasn't lived that down from last year. It's not Anaheim here. It's no. not this sleepy little Disneyland where everybody, you're no. good, I'm good, everybody's good. I sound like uh, you know Ben Stiller in Dodgeball. <laughs> you know, you're good, I'm good, everybody's good. You know, well, Lindor's so. still not, you know, he's still not living that down from, from last year. They think he's he, he had a very good year, and they still think he's uh, you know overrated because of, of the price tag that he brings. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. it, and it's a dynamic idea, and I think it's something to be vetted out. Um, Frank, as you, please don't do it while you're landing. What's your big idea? Especially if I'm on the plane. You can do it with someone else. And when you're flying over my house, don't do it while you're flying my house. So. <laughs> yeah, no no problem. I, I, I'm always an advocate for uh, safe landings. I mean, I think I'm a little bit of a blend of uh, all three, you, you know, all of you guys, what you said. I mean, the first thing that stood out to me is what Jeff said with McNeil and Alonzo. I mean these are two guys that I think you can build around long-term, you know, if you pay them now. And I think there's a difference. There's a, a different feeling when you are extended, you know, it kind of sends a message to those players that, Hey, you know what? We believe in you. You know, we think you are a part of the solution long-term here's your reward. And a lot of times you get rewarded back in those cases with good performances. And not only that other players will see that, that, hey, if I perform well, you know, if I get off to a good start, you know, I'm going to be rewarded because they, they got rewarded. So there's a little bit of a motivation factor there, you know, and that could help guys like Beatty. That could help guys like Alvarez if we are, in fact, counting on those guys uh, long term. Um, you know, as far as I mean, damn, it is it is a pipe dream to bring in Otani. And, uh, you know, if they can do that, it would be fantastic. Uh, I'm just not. You know, because I just don't see it based on what Billy Epler said, you know, building this team from the ground up, you know, I don't see him. Okay. Right off the bat, gutting the farm system because that would run contrary to what uh, Cohen would want. So, you know, I'm more along the lines of what Nick said of bringing in a Trey Turner. You know, I think you get him, uh, you get a guy that's had success in Washington and LA, you know, and bring some of that over here. I think that gives you a little bit of flexibility, especially if you lose a guy like Nimmo, you know, he could be that replacement. Um, you know, I love the idea of um, Rodone bringing him in. I mean, just, uh, and again, that's where, that's where that, you know, money is going to be. Um, it's going to be uh, spent on the pitching. And I mean, if you could bring back Diaz, I mean, the big value that he showed you, okay, is that not only can he be successful, but he can do it in New York, all mm-hmm. right? And there is a value to that. You know, we've seen so many guys come and go through this town that can't handle sure. it. The fact that he can handle it, I think, is worth its weight. And he's been through hell and back. I got to tell hell you, and back. All, and, and listen, it never comes with a risk. never seen anybody like it. Mm-hmm. I got to give com- the guy credit. Yep. I've never seen anybody go through what he went through, adding the Kelnick part to it. Yep. Adding the time that is met, I have to say it's 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 a, it's a topic for another day. I don't think I've seen another guy come hell and back like like Diaz. I really do. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, guys like that have to leave yep. to get their footing. And um, credit the Mets for hanging on to him. You know, the Red Sox were looking at him after 2019. Um, there was a lot of people who wanted to trade him for a bag of balls, and he didn't. All right, we're going to wrap up, and here's what I want you guys to wrap up with. And I'll start with Greg. How are you going to get your baseball fix in the offseason outside of hot stove? Is there anything that you want to recommend people to do? Like I watched an old YouTube game yesterday <laughs> to get by. 
you know, I, I like to see how the game was. They reminded me how the game was played in the eighties. Cause that was something that it's going to be a topic. And if you want anybody who's listening to interact with you productively on Twitter, whatever, give them how they can get in contact with you. If, if you so wish Greg, maybe you don't want to be bothered with the Mets fans. Cause sometimes I wish I didn't have to be bothered. So why are you going to get through this off season, Greg? Well, like Frank, uh, big giant fan, big into hockey with, with the Rangers. Um, the Giants and the Rangers are probably going to get me through the winter. I mean, as far as the baseball side, I'll definitely follow the hot stove. Really interested because there's just so much unclear as we discussed here with the Mets, what direction they go in. Um, following that, um, looking at old clips on YouTube, you know, back the Piazza days and um, – Maybe not just looking at back at this season, you know, maybe the 15 and 16 season. Uh, I am on Twitter. Uh, GG, uh, I think uh, I changed my hand, handle recently. So it's GG, uh, CNJ, uh, runner or run, I think it is. Um, that's how you can connect with me there. Um, but um, yeah, that's what I'm probably going to do to get through there. There you go. Jeff. Other than the fact that you'll make some really good Kansas City hot and spicy ribs, what do you got? What do you, how are you going to get through this uh, non-baseball component of our seasons, you know? Well, of course, listen to talking Mets. I mean, obviously. Oh, no, that's course. I mean, <laughs> that, might make, that might make you get agita before you <laughs> – depending yeah. on how you look at it. You know, <laughs> I, I, I love the Mets, but I also love baseball history. And, you know, if you can go to – Cooperstown. If you can go to the Yogi Bear Museum, if you're in New Jersey, yep. you know, if you can afford it, go to the Negro League Museum out in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of museums, and Jackie Robinson Museum is now open in, in New York City. Right. There's a lot of baseball material you can get into. You know, please listen to my podcast. That, that'd be great. Yep. Uh, check out, uh, I didn't know about the iTest podcast, but I'm going to check that out. Uh, yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of podcasts out there, a lot of things to do. Go on a road trip. Go on a road yep. trip. Go back up to Cooper's. And Cooper, I've been in Cooperstown in the winter. I tell you, nobody's in the museum. <laughs> you can have a docent in there take you all around like I had a couple of years Just ago. Just don't go too close to the snow. Upstate New York snow is brutal. That's you true. Know, upstate I, I, New York. That, get yourself some good snow tires if you do that because you ain't making it back, my friend. You know? I tell you, I, I got lucky. We, we had a docent who showed us around. He took us on back tour. He took stuff out of storage. He showed us. That's I mean, that's, cool. you know, it's a great yeah. time to go. And speaking of Black Diamonds, there's a, a, a Negro Leagues, there's a great podcast on Sirius called Black Diamonds. You guys yes. should check it out. Some great uh, content there. Um, Brian, what's, how are you going to get, you know, obviously you have your podcast and you, I think mm-hmm. you're more than just Mets. Um, but how are you going to get your fix this offseason? A lot of fans, I know like me, after on Tuesday, it's like, okay, what next? You know, you have this whole three hours a day, three and a half hours a day that you're trying to like, plan around at times but now it's gone so there's other sports of course but how do you get your baseball fix what do you recommend yeah baseball specifically so this is how pretty much every season goes um after the world series because i i do still love playoff baseball even even with with how the season ended for the mets after after the world series ends i I do you know kind of remove myself from baseball for a bit i I clear my head a little bit get (laughs) to get some air um, December, you know, the winter meetings coming around the, the hot stove gets, gets pretty hot. And then I, I, it's one of the most psycho things about me that I do, but in January or February, around that time of year, right before spring training gets started up, I go back on YouTube because YouTube is amazing. And I pretty much watch the entire season of condensed games through. Wow. And 
uh, win, wins and losses. You're studying and the film. You're I study the, the film. exactly. I'm grinding. <laughs> just just film grinding. Um, and it's it's one of the weirdest things about me. Are you married? Are you married, Brian? Because that's not going to fly. If you are you have a girlfriend? I, well, I, I got married in June, so we'll see. Oh, you're not. You're not watching. <laughs> you ain't watching any condensed games in January. What are you out of your mind? Come on. Yes, Danielle, my my lovely wife, she she gets it. Watch she, some she, Netflix. I, mean, I can get she, some good recommendations. Get away and, from and, and we do that. And I, I play a lot of chess as well, so I, I've, I've at least go. got that going on. Um, but Danielle and I, we started dating in 2015, so she, she gets it basically. I'll, since yeah. you're a chess player, I'll recommend one thing, and this is kind of like the Dungeons and Dragons. There's a, a guilty pleasure. Try Stratomatic Baseball. You'll love it. Okay. If you're a chess fan. Strat- Good to know. The, the, the computer version. It's not like, you know, EA Sports. There's horrible graphics, but it's a hell of a lot of fun. And I'm into uh, it. it's the it's it's one of those things. Frank, uh, obviously you'd be watching the Giants. And, you know, the Giants were done, according to everybody, like three oh, weeks yeah. ago. Now everybody loves Daniel Jones. Now everybody. But other than the Giants, what do we how do you get through the offseason? Uh, unless you're also watching every game on condensed like Brian, which God bless you if you can, because <laughs> I don't know if I could even pull that one off. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kind of punched out of baseball. Once it's over, you got the Rangers. And I know this will uh, ring uh, good to you, Mike, the Knicks. Um, ah, which, I am getting uh, a little juiced up for the Knicks. I will be. I watched a little preseason on Friday. Yeah. And um, hopefully, it'll be, you know, the best dilemma would be that there's a Nick playoff game, an early season Mets game. And I'm trying to figure out. Which one should I watch live? Which one should I just watch the condensed version? That'd yeah, and and there and there ha- and there hasn't been a ton of opportunities for that recently, except for a couple of years ago. So hopefully they're going in the uh, in the right direction. But uh, yeah, I mean, obviously just staying on top of the uh, the winter meetings, and uh, you know, occasionally I'll check in the hot stove report on SNY and things like that. Obviously, the great talking Mets podcast will get me through. And um, I do a little bit with uh, pro wrestling. I'm a uh, contributor uh, to a website and I actually have a show. Uh, it's on the paywall side. You got to be a patron or a, um, mm-hmm. a VIP member, but it's called pro wrestling then and now. And when I go back and I look at old shows, talk about them and compare them uh, to what's going on uh, today. So that's uh, the website for that. If I may plug uh, real sure, quick. Is, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, PWTorch.com. Been doing that for uh, a few years. And uh, I write an article once a month for the uh, pay-per-views. Um, I talk about that's the pretty hits cool. and misses. Nice. Yeah. That's pretty so. cool. I, yeah. I haven't watched wrestling since I went to the garden. I must've been 13 years old and it was uh, the highlight was a, a tag team, Hulk Hogan and Brutus, the barber beefcake versus Mr. Perfect and the genius. And it ended the same way all the time. Yep. The, the genius Lenny Poffo, who I believe is Randy Poffo, macho man's brother yes, who sir. played baseball for the Cardinals. So there's a yes. baseball. Connect. The genius would bop somebody over the head or throw salt in the referee's eyes. And somehow Hulk Hogan would get this like burst of energy, like the Braves from June 1st to the end of the year and win. And I could never understand. They called him Mr. Perfect because he never lost, but he lost. But, you know, then it would be like the Saturday morning version of him would be like, well, he's perfect record. No, he doesn't. I saw him at the Garden a week ago. He doesn't have a perfect record. So, unfortunately, I think Kurt Henning, who was Mr. Perfect, has passed along the way. I think Lenny Poffo's passed, too. So No, Lenny's um, still with us. Randy's gone. Randy Poffo. Yes. Macho man is gone. I remember that those were fun times. I remember, you know, the old uh, in Bensoners, Brooklyn, where I grew up, they used to have, you know, Jimmy Superfly Snooker come back and do like the, the, uh, you know, really intimate close in like a, a a CYO gym wrestling (laughs) on like a Friday night. So um, long time since I did that wrestling is kind of like in another world now. 
that was a more innocent time, you know, the Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah. So, but listen, guys, you have been generous with your time. You all have to get on with your day. Thank you again for doing this panel. I hope you enjoyed it. The fans will get a lot out of it. You're their voice, and uh, I'm the dope that they uh, send nasty emails to. So maybe, maybe now they'll like me a little bit more. But have a great Sunday. Thanks again, and uh, stay in touch with me. And, and and thank you again for doing this. All right, guys. So that's our panel, guys. Interesting uh, luminaries of the Talking Mets podcast. Hope you enjoyed this edition of the Talking Mets podcast, a two-part podcast edition here on this Sunday. Uh, of course, you could check me out all the time at the TalkingMetsPodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media and just show an Apple Podcast, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. No G, Mike Silva at TalkingMetsPodcast.com. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy your football Sunday. Enjoy some nice fall weather. We'll be back with another Talking Mets podcast next week. Till then, take care, everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.